Well, for sure, the answer is Christ. This world's looking everywhere it can to try to find the answer to the problems, the difficulties, the struggles, and everything that everybody's facing. There is an answer. It's found right here in this book. It's called Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joel. The book of Joel. He said, Preacher, where's that at? It's in the Old Testament. If you find the book of Daniel, go to the right. You'll find Hosea. You'll run into Joel. Amen? And book of Joel. If you hit Amos, you went too far. If you hit Matthew, you really went too far. Amen? But uh, find Daniel there and go to the right. You'll find Hosea. You'll find Joel. And if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Chapter 2 of the book of Joel. Say, preacher, what if I haven't found it? Just open your Bible. It's all good. Amen? Anywhere. It's all good. And uh, just listen as I read. Amen? Uh, have, you ever, have you ever been in those situations that you couldn't find? You know, there's a, by the way, there's an index in the front. You can find it. Say, but preacher, somebody see me do that. Can I tell you something? As a preacher, there's been times I've tried to find a book, especially one of the small prophets like this, and it's hard to find. And I, I go to the front, and I have a page number, and I went over it two or three times. And uh, you say, you mean you as a preacher? Oh, yeah, that happens to all of us, amen. You say, how do you feel? About that big. But anyway, uh, the fact is, is that it happens to all of us, amen. You say, why are you telling us all this? Giving you time to find it, amen. <laughs> Book of Joel, Joel chapter 2. We'll begin reading verse 1. It says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As morning spreadeth upon the mountains, a great people and a strong. There hath not been ever the like. Neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is the garden, is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, as horsemen, who shall they run? So shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the top of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained, and all faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb in the wall like men of war. They shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. They sh and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in, a, in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief." The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter His voice before His army, for His camp is very great, for He is strong and executeth His word. For the day of the Lord is great and terrible, and who can abide it? Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and, re and repenteth Him of the evil. 
Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God? Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priest and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? We're in a series that we've titled, With All Your Heart. If you look back in verse 12, you'll see where we're going with this. It says, Therefore also now saith, Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, Turn With All Your Heart. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, thank you for the folks that are here. Thank you for those that have been sick, that's out today. Lord, some of them still struggling. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them. Lord, thank you for your mercies and your goodness to us this week. We thank you, Lord, for the blessed sunshine and the good weather. Lord, we want to praise you for all things. We just thank you, Lord, for being so good and gracious to us. Now, Lord, I pray that you get a hold of our hearts. Lord, every Christian here, Lord, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God would speak in an intent, powerful way in every heart, that we would have the mind and the hearts of every person, that they would listen with intensity, Lord, as as the Word of God is brought forth. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Give me the words to say. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in all that's said and done in this service. Lord, there's no doubt there may be somebody here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, today might be their last chance to get saved. We don't know. But Lord, I pray that you draw them that they get saved. But Lord, I know that as Christians, every one of us need to draw closer to you. We need to turn to you with our whole heart. And Father, I pray now that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. Before you, you have the book of Joel, which is a prophetic book. A lot of people think of Revelations and, and maybe even in Ezekiel and some in Daniel as the prophetic books. The book of Joel is a prophetic book. And if you go back, you start in, in chapter 1, it's the prelude to to the coming of the Lord, and you go into chapter 2, we're talking about the coming of the Lord. Chapter 3, you're over into about the millennial and, and, the, and, the, and the Lord uh, putting down uh, those who have with His wrath and so forth. And so you have the, the book of Joel here is a book of prophecy. You do any prophecy uh, studies, you're going to wind up going to the book of Joel and looking at what Joel says about the coming days, about the tribulation period, about different things. It is, a, it is a prophetic book, okay? And so it's an important book for us. But often as the, as the Lord lays out a, a message here, and, and Joel is writing, let me say this, Joel is writing this book or writing this letter, however you want to say it. He is writing this to the people of his day, okay? He is writing it to his contemporary, those who are there with him. He is writing this message. Israel has departed from God. Israel has moved away from God. Israel is in a position where God is about to bring judgment upon them. 
And so you have Joel uh, uh, giving the message of God that he is about to bring judgment upon them and, and, uh, and to try to bring them back. But basically, he is there to warn them. You say, well, preacher, that was for Joel in his day. This is several thousand years later or hundred years, hundreds of years later that, that we're living today. Why are you preaching out of the book of Joel? Because like many of the prophetic books... They deal with the time of the writing, but they are ensnared in so, with the wording and stuff so much so that it is for our day and time, at any day and time in which you live, but also opening up the coming of the Lord and the tribulation period. That is the way pr prophecy is generally laid out. And so we have an understanding here that, yes, it was written unto Israel. Israel's the children of God. We, we make no bones about that. Nobody should doubt that. God chose Israel to be His chosen people. But let me say this for you this morning, and glory, hallelujah. You are also, if you know Christ as your Savior, you are also a child of God because you have been grafted in. Uh, you've been adopted, you've been grafted in by the, the shed blood, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you are grafted in into that family of God. And, and glory, hallelujah, man, I'm a child of the King, amen? Amen. amen? And boy, we ought to praise God for that and realize that. Well, this book or, of Joel is being written to God's people. That's you and me. Not just Israel. But that's to you and me also. Because the Lord lays it out for in Joel of his coming. As we look around us and we see these things. So then we have the writing of the day of Joel. But we have it for the church and us now. And then in that, if you go on, especially if you go on over into the latter part of this chapter. And you get over into chapter 3. You, you get into the, the tribulation period and the millennium. And so it is written for all periods of time, you might say. But we got to understand some things here. First of all, we must understand the term day of the Lord. It's an important phrase that you're going to find throughout the Scripture. You need to, you, when you see that, uh, perk up your eyes and your ears and, and look at it. When you see that, that, uh, that phrase, the day of the Lord, uh, we, we have to understand that, that phrase in order to, to apply these verses here. In verse 1 there it says, blow, the, blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm in this holy mountain. Let the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Okay, for the day of the Lord cometh, it is nigh at hand. You say, well, preacher, if, if, the, if the day of the Lord is a, a day when the Lord is coming back, then would that not that be for, for Joel in their day? Well, you've got to understand here uh, what it means, and we're going to get in that second. If you go down to verse 12, or verse 11, I'm sorry, the latter part of that verse, it says, For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can abide it? And it's talking about something here. Whenever you go through the Scripture and you find where it says the day of the Lord, you find that phrase, the day of the Lord, almost always it's talking about the day of judgment. A day of judgment. Of God bringing judgment. A time of judgment. The day of the Lord. And throughout Scripture, not just in the Old Testament, but also you'll find that in the New Testament. If you used to look at, at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, 
And the earth also and the works and all that, are, that are therein shall be burned up. Talking about, again, the judgment of God. That's talking about, uh, by the way, the, the wrath of God being poured out there in 2 Peter. And that is talking about the judgment of God, that His hand coming uh, 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 out in, in wrath. In many appearances, uh, the phrase, uh, as I said, uh, if you look at it in context, and when I say, when I talk about looking at a verse in context, you're looking at the, the verses before it and you're looking at the verses after it. So many times people just take and grab a verse out. They don't look at what it says before. They don't look at what it says before. They take it out of context and try to make something out of it that it's not. But when you look at that where it talks about the day of the Lord and you take it in context, it's generally, not always, but generally talking about the tribulation period. Talking about that end time. Not just the judgment of God. Now in Joel, as it is being written, he's talking about the judgment of God. And you find, if you go on and study, in the time of Joel, the children of Israel went into captivity. They went into great destruction because of their wickedness, because they had turned away from the Lord. And so you find that it, it deals with judgment. But in most instances, when you look at it in context, it's dealing with the tribulation period. You know, we can take this and we can look at it, and I believe there's an application. And I think we can see it in our day. And our day is present no matter you know, what time you look at. I believe it's, it's, it's available for us to look at and, and see. But as I look at the condition of things right now, as I read the Scripture, as I see the atmosphere of our day, I look at this, this, uh, this chapter in Joel and I see that and I see the, the hand of God that we are living in, in, the, in the, the coming of the Lord. We're looking at the day of the Lord before us. There's no doubt in my mind. And you can sit here, you can deny it, you can say, oh, I don't want to hear about it. It don't change things. We're living just at the edge of the day of the Lord. There was a need for a warning to be sounded of the destruction that was ahead. And we find there Joel in, in verse 1 there, he says, Blow ye the trumpet. In that day and time, they, they, the way they sounded alarm, you know, we have these uh, um, tornado sirens and stuff that go off. You know, they've practiced them this year. And, and then on our, everybody anymore carries a cell phone usually, and they have all kinds of warnings that go off. I've got storm warnings that go off on my, my phone. At about 4 o'clock the other morning, I had an amber alert went off. I like to scare the daylights out of me. I was, you know, at, at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, and that thing is laying beside my bed, and it gets your attention, I guarantee you. And there's warnings. We're used to hearing warnings. Well, that day and time, it was blow the trumpet, and there were certain types of blowing the trumpet that was a warning and calling together of an assembly. And so he tells Joel, he says, blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm. Sound an alarm. Otherwise, this isn't just calling you together for lunch. When I was uh, years ago, and I don't know if they used to do it here, but when I was young and lived in Piedmont, there was a, the, what they called the fire whistle. It was on top of the on top of Tony's drugstore. And every day at 12 o'clock, that thing would go off. Everybody knew it was lunchtime. Knew it was lunchtime. 
But when that thing went off and kept going off, they knew that there was a fire. And this time when, when he's calling, uh, and when he's telling Joel here, he said, when you sound the trumpet, he said, don't sound it for lunch. Sound it for an alarm. Let people know that there's a problem. He said, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. And down in verse 15, he says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Call a solemn assembly. He says, listen, get their attention. He said, everybody needs to get serious about this. Call a solemn assembly. You know, as I said earlier, a lot of people don't want to hear about something like this. They don't want to hear about the last days. They don't want to hear about the warning of it. They don't want to... Preacher, I know there's bad things going on. Preacher, I, I, I just don't want to hear about it. And I understand you can get on that and just stay on it all the time. But let me ask you something. You don't want to hear about the warning. You don't want to hear about the last day. You don't want to hear about how things are going on and how we need to be turning unto the Lord. If your house was on fire, several years ago when I lived down in southeast Missouri and I had a business, an electronics business, and I went down to, to Popper Bluff real early in the morning to, to deliver some electronics and stuff down there that I'd worked on, or not even worked on, I, I'd sold them. And it was real early in the morning, and when I got there, I went down, uh, uh, the, I forget the name of the street, and, and as I was going down this neighborhood, it was a real nice neighborhood, and I happened to look over, and I seen it looked at first like steam coming off the top of a roof. And I thought, that's odd. There's no frost. And I slowed down, and I looked back again, and on the carport, I could see smoke. And I could see some flames shooting out the side of the house. This was somewhere before 8 o'clock in the morning. I turned around went in, and pulled into the driveway. There was a vehicle sitting in the, under the carport where the flames was, was starting to, to really come out of the side of that, that house, probably about five foot away from that car. Just I mean, it was licking out the side of it. I run to the front door and I begin, I push the doorbell and I was banging on the door at the same time and bang and bang and bang. And I was looking through the window trying and I just kept banging and hollering and hollering and banging. Loud enough, there's a lady across the street in the house and across the street that sat quite a bit back off the street. She come outside and she, she was in her pajamas and she, she's like, she's looking at everything. I said, do you know if they're home? She said, no, they're gone to work and the kids have already gone to school. I said, call the fire department. I said, it's on fire. I stayed there and kept banging on the door just in case somebody was still home. Pretty quick, some other people began to stop and the flames by then would begin to roll out the, the eave of the house. Pretty soon the fire department was showing up and I backed out of there and and I went ahead and left. Nobody was there. The, the, before I left, the, the, the man, that, the husband, the owner, his kids was at school. And he worked down at the, at the paper, at the newspaper place. And he come back in there and, and I seen him and they was trying to get that car out of there. And I left. What if I had said, you know what? <laughs> they might be asleep. I'm not going to bother. They might be asleep. You know how people are sometimes when you wake them up out of their sleep. Especially if they're Baptists. 
and you wake them up during the service. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I just don't want to, I don't want to upset them, you know. I, you know, I just don't want to upset them. He said, preachers have been crazy. Not even crazier than you sitting here saying, I don't want to hear it, preacher. I don't want to pay attention to it, preacher. I'm going to be honest with you. Most Christians, most churches today have turned a deaf ear and a blind eye to it. And yet just as, as Joel's day, we need to sound an alarm. We need to awaken. We need to blow the trumpet. We need to, to point out the coming of the Lord. We need to get serious about it. Every one of Israel was living in ease and doing their own thing, not living after, after the Lord and, and following the Lord. We find much of Christianity is doing the same thing today, much like Israel did in the, in the time of the Judges. In fact, over in Judges chapter 17, if you look at, and this is recorded a couple times in Judges, but in Judges 17 it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Doing whatever he thought was right. Well, you know, I think this is right for me. I'm going to do it. Listen, we're living in a day and time right now when it seems as though everybody's doing that which is right in their own eyes. No longer are we looking to the Word of God. No longer are we doing what the Bible says, but we're doing that which is right in our own eyes. So the Lord calls for the prophet of God, Joel there, to sound the warning for the day of the Lord's near. The judgment of God is about to come upon them. He said, you better, the Lord is gracious enough that he says, warn them. You know, the Lord doesn't have to warn us. He didn't have to warn Israel. He had sent the prophets before and told them how to live and what to do. He didn't have to tell him to blow the trumpet. He didn't have to tell him to warn them, but he did. You know what, how could I ever turn a deaf ear to the voice of the Lord as he speaks to me in his word and shows me by the, the wickedness that is, is before us in our days not to sound an alarm. The day of the Lord is upon us. It's near. Oh, preacher, we've been hearing that for years. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. We find, a, you know, in, in fact, I'll be honest with you, chills run down my, my back the other day. I said, preacher, what's that about? Our nation and our churches and our homes. Well, I'll tell you what, when I heard the, the words of Congressman Nadler, as they were debating after the debate of the Equality Act, as Congressman uh, Stu Stubbe was, was talking and, and they was, he was laying out his case against that, that act, which it is not an Equality Act, folks. If you've read it, if you've seen anything about it, it's a perversion act. To promote perversion. To strip away gender. To strip away morality. To open the bathrooms to every pervert. Can go into where young ladies are. It's a perversion act. It's not an equality act. It has nothing to do with equality. It has everything to do with perversion. But Congressman Stubbe said, and, then, and I quote these for you, because I'm not going to give you what I thought it said. I'm going to quote it to you, and you, you think about this. Congressman Stubbe said, The gender confusion that exists in our culture today is a clear rejection of God's good design. Mm, good words. And that whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against Him. Man, is He on spot. 
and will inevitably bear the consequences. Boy, you're talking about somebody sounding an alarm. He was sounding an alarm before the Congress. But listen to Congress Nadler. Nadler pushed back in response and said, Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. And basically, Congressman Nadler is challenging God to do something about it. Can I tell you something? God will. God will. The sad part is this. Not only is the left have this attitude, but many Christians, professed Christians, have the same attitude. We don't care what the will of God is. We're going to do what we want to do. It's no concern of us what the Bible says. It's no concern of us what's right and wrong. We're going to do that which is right in our own eyes. This was the attitude basically of Israel when Joel was, was told by the Lord to sound an alarm. What, what, what's heartbreaking is that we're not realizing this. Even as Joel declares in his day, we must declare our, of our day. There, and, and we're seeing that which has never been seen in this nation before. We, we've never seen uh, uh, this before in our nation. Oh, preacher, it's always been bad. It's, hey, no, you look at it. It's never been this way before. Yes, we've had wickedness. Yes, we've had violence. But it's never been like it is now. And it is like a snowball that's, that's rolling down a hill and it's getting larger and picking up speed. We find over in Joel there in verse 2, he says, A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like. Neither shall there be any more after, even to the years of many generations. So we've got to sound an alarm. We've got to turn our hearts back to the Lord. We must turn to the Lord with all of our hearts. We must turn to Him. Notice the urgency here that Joel gives. In verse 12 he says, Therefore also now. Now. He says, Therefore now saith the Lord. He's, he's sharing with the people that it can't wait. The judgment of the Lord is nigh. It's at hand. It's very near. He said, we can't wait. The Lord is saying, you can't wait. He said, therefore also now saith the Lord. Now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year. He said, now. As I look at the conditions of our nation spiritually, I, as I look at the churches across the nation spiritually, like Joel, I must say, there is an urgency to turn unto the Lord. Why? Because judgment's near. The return of the Lord's near. The tribulation period is near. You say, preacher, you're just trying to scare us. No, I'm just trying to warn. You can say it's scare tactics. You can do whatever you want to, but I wasn't trying to scare the people at that house. I was just trying to warn them. 
Just trying to warn them. Just trying to get them to... When you see such tragedy, it's like you, you, you've got to shout it out. Several years ago, I was coming home from the church there in Piedmont and, and uh, I was headed up what they call Bates Street in Piedmont. Uh, Brian, you know where that's at, Bates Street. And as you come up Bay Street, you, you make a little bit of a curve like that, and it goes up like this here. It's a, it goes up on the railroad tracks. There is the flashing lights there for warning signals. On this particular day, as I was headed home, I come around the, the corner and and, uh, and, and started up that, and I seen the lights flashing, and I had the window down, and I, I could hear the, the, they had those bells on, ding, 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 ding. And in front of me, sitting on the tracks, was a lady, and another lady. And after a while, I found out a child sitting on the railroad tracks. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see the train. And just out of pure instinct, I hollered, move it. She backed up. And then she moved back up on the tracks. And I said, hit it, lady. And I seen her take her head and turn and look at the train just about the time the train smacked the car and wrapped the car around the front of that train. That train was coming from what they call Gads Hill where Jesse James robbed a train. It's a, it's a place where they, it's a rock quarry. It was loaded with rock. It pushed that car even though I found out later, they asked me how, the, 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 when they was doing the investigation, they came to me and and they found out that I was there, and they, they want to know, how fast do you think the train's going? I said, oh, 30 mile an hour? They said, that's exactly what the thing said, the recorder. And that's what they were supposed to be going. Push that train, and by time, and you could hear the, 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 the steel squalling as they was locking that thing up. Pushed it on down the tracks, and... Finally, it cleared enough. I come up and went down the, the street, and uh, I, I, used to, I used to work on the ambulance. I jumped out of the truck, head down there, and the people had gathered around by then, and the first thing I walked up to the car, looked inside, and I seen a lady. I knew she was dead. The baby laying in, or sitting in a car seat with glass all over it, crying. As much as I hollered, it made no difference. As much as those lights flashed, as much as those bells rang, there was still the collision. Folks, we don't want to hear it. No, we don't want to hear it. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to see it. I, 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 want to, I want us to sound the alarm. I want us to awaken. I want us to realize what's going on. I want us to, to come to our senses. There's an urgency. So 
so often want to say, how far does it have to go away? Do we have to go away from the Lord before we'll turn back to Him? Before we, as a church, will turn to Him with all of our heart? I fear that we may wait too long and it will be too late one day. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 21 or 22 begin there. It says, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. That's the Lord's calling out. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh when your calamity come. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall ye call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated the knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and be quiet from the fear of evil. There's an urgency not to put off but to turn with all of our hearts. There's an urgency this morning to get saved now while the Lord calls. You're sitting here this morning. If you know Jesus Christ, you're saved. There is an urgency because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tonight. You can't guarantee me you'll be alive. You can't guarantee me the Lord won't come back. You can't guarantee me. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. He goes on. He says, harden not your heart as in the, in the provocation. You'll say no for the last time one of these days. And Lord's, and, and, and if you go over in Genesis chapter 6, he says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And when you say no enough time, God will say, Okay, have it your way. And then you won't get saved. And here we are, facing the day of the Lord. And you without salvation. You without any hope. Oh, well, preacher, after all that happens, then I'll get saved. No, you won't because the Bible says that you will believe a lie and be damned. Because you had an opportunity to get saved. You may be raised in a Christian home. You may be a, 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 a member of this church. Or you may have been going to church all your life. Hey, listen, that's not going to get you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ. There's an urgency. You find there in Isaiah chapter 5, 55 and 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near James 4.14 speaks of the briefity of our lives. says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanisheth away. Jesus Christ went to Calvary and died in your place. Took your sins upon Him and died and shed His blood so that you could have eternal life. He did everything possible so that you could receive eternal life. But it's up to you to receive Him as your Savior. It's up to you to, to realize that you're a sinner and, and ask Him to forgive you of your sins and come in your heart and life and save you. Hey, listen, except ye be born again, the Bible says. Except ye be born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's an urgency not only for the lost to get saved right now, but there's an urgency for Christians to turn to the Lord with all their hearts. That we might have revival. That we might see our, this nation and our church and homes turn back to the Lord with all their heart and maybe see it staved off a little bit and pushed back a little bit. 
We're living in these last days and, and time is coming to a close. Then we see the message that is given to Joel here. The message is turned. Verse 12 says, Therefore also know, saith the Lord, or there, therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and mourning. It's a turning to the Lord with your heart. It's a turning to the Lord with your heart. It's not turning to a new program in the church. It's not turning over a new leaf and trying to better yourself. It's not turning to religion. It's not turning to more works. It's not turning to trying to do it better. But it's turning to the Lord with all your heart. Getting our heart involved in living for the Lord Jesus Christ and magnifying Him and, and, and glorifying Him. It's that turning with all your heart. He said there in verse 12, Turn ye even to me with all your heart. We have so much half-hearted Christianity today. It's hard to get people to live for God, to talk for the Lord, to witness for the Lord, to share the, the gospel with others, to encourage others, to, to pray for others, to, 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 to do what is needed. It's hard to get people in church today who are saying that they're saved. But we need a turning to the Lord with all of our heart. We need Christians to get involved. Sometimes Christians sit in their seats and the only thing that they're involved in is just sitting in their seat. But we need to turn our hearts to the Lord. You say, well, well what's, I'm not able. Hey, God's got a plan for everybody. He can make you a prayer warrior and, and carry these services to the Lord in prayer and, and, and carry this preacher to the Lord in prayer. He can use you to be a witness to your neighbor, your friend, to send out the gospel, or maybe in an envelope or whatever. Hey, listen, God has a plan for every one of us to serve Him. It's turning with a, hum, with a humbling of self and a brokenness for sin and failure to follow the Lord. No, sir, he says, turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. That's a brokenness. That's a brokenness. I, I, I can't explain over the times that I, that I have stood where death is and there's just something in my heart just sinks. In the presence of watching somebody pass away, being there in their last breath and, and last moments and, and standing there and watch them and there's just a sinking. Even though my mother was dying with cancer and I, and I knew she was going to heaven and gave a tremendous testimony of it and, and, and everything, even when she, and there was a joy in my heart that she was no longer suffering, but there was a, there was a sinking and a brokenness. I see different ones who are dying without Christ. Now there's a sinking and a, a brokenness of how they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. There needs to be that humbling in our lives. He tells us also in, in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we preach from this verse so often, we quote it so often, we call it the, the formula for, for revival. But listen to these words and notice what's in this. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, that's you if you're saved, shall humble themselves. Isn't that what Joel said? And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Again, it's the, the key to seeing God move and send revival is when we turn with all of our hearts, 
Verse 13, he said, rend your heart. He said, let it be broken, let it be torn, not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God. He goes on, he says, for he is gracious. He's merciful. I don't know about you, but boy, I thank God for his mercy. Amen. I, I praise the Lord for his mercy and his forgiveness of sin. He goes on, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of evil, of the evil. If we're going to get serious and turn with all our hearts, the Lord said he'd be gracious and merciful to us. Then we can see a change in our nation. We can see a change in our hearts and lives when we turn to him with all of our heart. We can see a change in our homes. We can see a change in, in the people around us when we turn to him with all of our heart. Turn to Him uh, in worship with all your heart. Hey, listen, it's about time that God's people turned to the Lord and lifted Him up for who He is. Oh, this morning as I was praying, I said, Lord, I wish I could. I wish there was some way that I could magnify you today before the people that they could see you, that we could worship you the way that you deserve to be worshipped, that they could see you the way you ought to be seen, that they could know you as you ought to be seen. Lord, I'm such a finite person, and Lord, so unable to do that. Lord, I want that so bad. Because I want them to see you, Lord. I don't want them to see me. I don't want them to see you. Turn to him with all of our hearts and worship. Lift him up. That your heart would swell about how great he is and how mighty he is and what a wonderful God he is this morning. Boy, we serve a wonderful God. Right, turn your heart unto the Lord with turn unto the Lord with all your heart in love. Love for him, love for the things of God, love for one another. I tell you what, we most of us in this room, if we pull your shoes off, even though it's early in the day, I bet your feet probably stink. We're all that way. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll love one another. Able to overlook some things in, in one another's lives. Able to love one another and care for one another. But turn to the Lord with all your heart and love and love Him. I mean, there ought to be a love in our hearts that just is hard to explain. Turn to the Lord with all your heart in prayer. Boy, begin to pray and seek his face. Brother Gene, boy, we need to get back in an old-fashioned prayer meeting, get back on our faces for God and call on God and see God do some great and mighty things in these last days. He said, call on me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Turn unto him with all your heart in serving him. I'm talking about living for him. I'm talking about telling others about him. I'm talking about being a witness for him. I'm talking about, hey, listen, your life is about him. That's the reason he left you here. When God saved you, He left you here for a reason, and that's to live for Him. Joel said, "Sound, or God said, blow the trumpet, sound an alarm." He said, "Tell the people to turn with all their heart, for the day of the Lord's at hand. The day of the Lord is nigh." Folks, if you look at what's going on in this world. This is where hope is. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. Boy, I'll tell you what, it, instead of getting down and discouraged because this is the last days, boy, it ought to crank you up. It ought to, it ought to you know, like those old, those old uh, uh, Model T's that they had to take, you know, you know uh, like, like some of you all had to drive, like Jim and them, you know. You stick that old crank in there and boom. Boom. 
boom. Well, I'll tell you what, that somebody ought to take a crank and stick it in your and my heart and just go boom and get that thing a rolling. Man, you all get excited about God. We're living the last days. God's getting ready to come back. Woo! It's good. Oh, my preacher. No, man, it's good. I can blow the trumpet and, and warn and, and my heart can be broken for the lost and, and for Christians not serving God. But I'm telling you something. I'm getting ready to watch him, Brother G, uh, to split that eastern sky. I'm getting ready. Hey, Brother Dale, I'm getting ready for him to, that trumpet to sound up there. That's going to be the trumpet I'm listening for. Amen. He's going to call us out of here. We're going to be called out of here. And I, you say, well, preacher, we're going up. I'm going up in the rapture, brother. I'm telling you. what. Going to get a new body. Got one ordered with hair on it. Amen. God's good. I'm not, I'm not down. I'm not discouraged. I just look at it and, and the Lord says, sound the trumpet. Blow the trumpet, preacher. I'm getting ready to come back. The day of the Lord's at hand. Warn them. You know what? I went on after I, warned, I tried to warn those people that I thought was in that house. I went on my way knowing I did what I, I was supposed to do. Never bothered me at all. I didn't sit there. That poor house burned. I did what I could do. You know what? I'm going to shout around the throne of God. But I'm going to get in practice here a little bit. Woo! It's good. Good to be saved. Some of you sitting there so stiff and so worried about the preacher going, woo, like that there. Hey, listen, you ought to get a little of it yourself once in a while. You'd enjoy God a little bit more. Amen. I'm not talking about something's out of hand. I'm just talking about you realize what you got. Hey, I've watched some of you go to ball games and stuff like that. Hey, you holler and scream for them. You get up on your feet. You holler. You, kill him, kill him, kill him. I'm telling you what, God just hit a home run and I'm headed for home. I'm on first, second, or third. I don't know where I'm at. But he hit the home run. I'm out of here. You say, why'd you say home run? Because he's going to clear the bases. That means all who are saved. Doesn't matter if you're sitting in the, in the, in the dugout, you're coming with him, amen, amen, if you're saved. Good to be saved. Say, preacher, are you excited? Yeah, I'm kind of excited right now, I'll be honest with you. I'm just kind of excited because God said blow the trumpet. I tried to blow it. He said, well, you didn't blow it very well. I didn't say I could play a horn very good either. <laughs> but I want you to know something. God's coming back. Amen. Are you ready? Yes, Christian, we need to turn. Well, preacher, I'm trying to serve God. We all need to turn. This preacher needs to turn. With all my heart, not just a little bit of it, but all of it. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that is the trump of God. Lord, that sounds the alarm, that calls us out. Lord, help us to live for you. Help us to serve you. Help us to put you first. Help us to sound the alarm. Help us to take the gospel to the lost. Lord, there may be somebody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ their Savior. They don't realize how close they are to hell. They don't realize that in a moment they'd drop off into a burning lake of fire. God, I pray, get a hold of their hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, move with power. And as Christians, Lord, I pray that you'd stir our hearts to turn to you with all of our heart. 
I realize we got a lot of good folks here, Lord. I realize that we got people doing stuff, serving you, living for you. But Lord, every one of us, including this preacher, we need to lay down our whole heart before you. Lord, help us to turn it all to you. Have your will and way and use us, Lord, for your honor and glory in these last days. Do a work in hearts this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed? You'll know Jesus Christ your head, as your Savior. Would you step out and come this morning? Why would you choose heaven?